Welcome to The Milk Check, a podcast from T.C. Jacoby & Company, where we share market insights and analysis with dairy farmers in mind. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Milk Check. This month, we recorded our monthly mass balance and charting meeting. It is a monthly meeting that we hold internally, where our whole trading team gets together. We look at the milk production and cold storage reports, and we look at some of the technical charts, and we share our opinions about what we think this data is telling us and what we think this data is predicting about what will happen in the future. We had some really interesting discussions this month. I think you'll really enjoy eavesdropping into these discussions. It was a long meeting, but it was a really good meeting. So what we've decided to do this month is split it into two parts. The first part is Don Street leading the discussion about the mass balance, what we think is happening in class one milk, class two milk, class three milk, and class four milk. It was a great discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening in. All right, do you wanna get rolling? Yeah, let's go ahead and get rolling. Okay, I struggled to come up with a title. Uh, I finally settled on once you count the cows before the barn door is opened, which I realized doesn't make any sense, but USDA is having some difficulties on cows. So November production was revised lower by three-tenths of a percent. And to do that, USDA reduced cow numbers by 9,000 head, kind of spread over a whole bunch of states, nobody more than 2,000 down, a couple or even 1,000 or 2,000 up, and milk per cow was down 0.2%. So given where margins are, not much excitement on pushing cows to really produce more milk. December, production was reported as up 0.9. Again, this is 24 states. I was at 1.7, so clearly an overshoot because I was two-tenths of a percent off on number of cows at the end of the day, and then about, a, again, a half percent off on uh, milk per cow. So even though December of 21 was weaker on milk production, it didn't translate into a bump in December. The other interesting thing to note is that USDA dropped the herd 5,000 head in Texas in December, and we continue, well, we, me, continue to think that Texas cow numbers have to go up, but there again, counting cows is more of an art than a science, apparently. All of this leads to thinking the milk supply will be more limited going into 23. So we're at the end of January. Tomorrow, we'll have January milk numbers in three weeks after that, but my projections now down to 1.7. I think at one time I even threw out the number, it could be up 2.5 in January. That just simply isn't going to happen with the downward pressure on milk per cow. Stated differently, the lack of growth in milk per cow. Q1 2023, I'm now at up 1.1%. I think originally when we first started to look at this, I was at just over two. So this is much less surplus milk in Q1 than I was expecting. And the next step from that is looking at Q2. Not a lot of change. I think we're going to be stuck for some months in about 1% overall growth in milk production probably for the first half of the year. January continuing to be the exception because it was down so heavily, there will be a little bit of a bounce just from the math of that reality. 
if you assume, and this is where we ended 2022, 24 states, 8,918,000 cows, and just hold that steady for the whole year, you can see in January, we're up a half percent, less in February, and then we're just kind of even with the prior year, 10th percent up, down a little bit, up barely. So without more cows coming into the system, all the growth after February is going to be dependent on milk per cow. And we already know that's pretty minimal. So earlier this month, because of the delay in Christmas, we did talk about that you could expect 100,000 cows added to the herd for the two plants that are coming online in Q1 and Q2. If you actually had 100,000 cows coming in, then your growth in number of cows would contribute much more significantly to overall milk production growth. I think at best, this is probably half of this number. So I, I think even with that expansion, with depressed margins, non-aggressive feeding of cows, we're going to be in a milk production environment where we're kind of 1% up. Quick word on components. This is unchanged from early January because of the USDA reporting cycle. So nothing new here, but just that genetically butterfat is really getting the push. Nonfat solids less so, but protein somewhere in between the two. So I continue to be amused, if nothing else, by the fact that lactose content in milk it continues to decline. When we go to the classes, don't think there's any real surprises here. We're updated for 11 months of data in 22. Class one continues to shrink, 2.4% for the year. I still think 2% annual declines is what we're going to have until we don't. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. In the soft products category of class two, um, I don't think any real change here. Cottage cheese down a little, sour cream up a little. Hard ice cream is maybe the surprise. Started the year down almost 10% on production, which I'm assuming is a reflection of demand and orders from stores. And it ends the year down only 1%. That is a real victory in the ice cream space. Class three, total cheese continues to be up. November was up 1.6, 1.7 for the year to date. I think the biggest change we're seeing is that American types are becoming more of the growth piece of cheese, and Italian types are not as much of the growth. They're still ahead year to date, but slowing a bit in their growth rate. Butter was finally up in November. I'd been asking where the heck is all the butter? and it showed up in November. And I'm gonna guess that we'll see strong production in December when those results are published the first week of March. I wanted to try to look at a couple of different things, exports and stocks. So when you look at exports, cheese exports were pretty healthy from a 22 perspective over 21, up about 12% year to date as well as in the month. Butterfat up strongly year-to-date. I don't really understand that, given so much of the year that we spent over 
$3 a pound and clearly the most expensive butter in the world. So I'm assuming that means some of our good co-op friends sold under market, uh, which is typically what happens. The big jump in November was shipments to Canada. So that must have been holiday demand in the short fat market in Canada, giving the, the milk production scheme that they run there. And nonfat and skim down year to date, down a little bit in November, which without Mexico, this number would have been down a lot. But Mexico has been very strong to offset weakness in Southeast Asia and China. And then finally, to look at stocks. So cheese production's up, exports are up, stocks are unchanged. That can only mean that the domestic consumption disappearance side of the market is doing pretty well. Butterfat production is down, uh, exports are up, and stocks are still up. But pricing seems to follow its own path relative to butterfat. And nonfat, we had production down, exports down, stocks up, which to me just continues to point to the very lethargic domestic market demand for dried protein at the 35, 6, 36% level. So I think all these numbers make sense in their own way for each of these three broad categories and probably means we'll see nonfat stocks continue to creep up for the time being. That's the last slide. Any questions? Don, these stocks are end of December stocks? They would be for cheese and butter fat. They're end of November for nonfat. Okay. Don, regarding your comment on exports, the butter exports, you hit the nail on the head with Canada. That's been the largest export customer pretty much all of last year. It looks to be a pretty large customer this year as well because they are just net short fat in general. For the other side of the picture, there was a lot of deals that were made in late of 2021 before the market ran away for 2022 shipments that had to be honored that were sold well under where, where it should have been sold at. Just to make sure I understand if it's comparables or what's driving it. So we had this milk production that was significantly under expectations for December, right? And then we're expecting a pretty healthy bounce back to kind of the previous predictions, but just tempered a little bit. Is that more of comparable driven? Like, was there an anomaly last December? Or do we think a bunch of it's the cows that just were yanked out of the herd sort of suddenly? Like, why is the trend kind of coming down and then and then moving back up again, as opposed to that kind of steady climb and then steady decline yeah, of year, year, year growth? A year ago, comparables were pretty erratic in terms of uh, milk per cow. The cow numbers at a year ago were growing. So it is milk per cow that is jumping around. And I think, you know, these are national numbers. So the regional factors feeding into this are a bit all over the place. Base programs margins, weather potentially in certain parts of the country, although I can't pinpoint that from memory. I think it's more base programs and uh, margin and feeding uh, management by the producers. If we think about kind of the vulnerability in our pre predictions right now, um, it, like the California rain situation, could that 
have any influence do we think on our January predictions? And then number two is, is there any concerns that feeding practices are starting to shift a little bit and that that milk per cow growth rate, we may have actually found found a short-term you know high and we might start to come off that. I, I think this uh, California was pretty wet in December or flooded or lots of rainfall and any mud impact was baked into those numbers. So California was actually up a little bit in milk per cow in December. So will there be a negative impact in January? Have to be cumulative of trudging in mud for 60 days instead of 30, but I'm gonna say maybe not. It will be flat on, on cow numbers in California. I don't think we'll see a big surprise out of California. So, so where where does all this leave us? Uh, if I can try to sum this up, we should be up on powder production. I would say low one, two, three percent. Where in a normal world, I think you could argue for a bottom on nonfat pricing and maybe a bounce back is all going to be limited by extra production of milk and dried solids in Europe that's really going to drive the pricing and I think it's going to do more to drive our pricing than the production side of the equation would uh, suggest. Don, I'd like to and I know that the last time I challenged you, Don, I was horribly wrong. So I'm 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 getting that out there right now, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to challenge you again that I really struggle to believe is this model if I'm if I'm looking at it correctly showing that you suspect a 1.6% average increase over the course of the next few months? No. January I think will be the peak of production in 2023 and at this point I'm going to hang my hat on 1.7 but I think mm -hmm. the full quarter is up about just over 1%. And I think Q2 is going to be up about 1%. Are, are we expecting the milk price to go up dramatically to influence something of this? I, I'm thinking that 0 0.9 is the top until prices rebound. Gus, I think it has nothing to do with what's going on with the current trend in milk production and everything to do with what it did last year because it was dropping into January last year. So you're measuring against the biggest weakness in January and then it starts to strengthen from there. Right. This this January play is nothing but a, a reaction to a pullback in January of 22. Okay. okay. I'm predicting cow numbers still to grow some. I, I, I mean, struggle with that. Uh, we've, Josh, we've, because I think there should be more cows. Don, haven't we had some pretty strong culling in the recent weeks that are published? Uh, one week we did. If you look at the 12-week average, it's one or two-tenths of a percent up on slaughter. So but it is up. 1.2% means basically flat. Basically yeah, but, but, rec but, but recently published, which is what, two weeks ago now? Am I right? One, one week, but that was a screw. I mean, that was just the... Uh, jacking around of slaughterhouse schedules for New Year's holiday causing that. Okay. I think. I don't think it's anything more than that. Believe me, if I if I were Greg right now, I know he would say milk is extremely long and he didn't he doesn't see any contraction yet. But but I if you talk to producers, they're they are really struggling and they get extremely frustrated when you tell them that the market is bearish. 
I appreciate that. But you know, it's it's the age old question of everybody's losing money, so who quits first? Well, typically producers would wait for someone else to quit first, right? The only thing I would say, and I, I struggle here because the last time I went down this road, you know, Don, I was wrong. So, but what dairymen are facing today is more adverse than what they've faced in almost a decade. Their break-even price and the actual milk price has more disparity than what we've seen in quite some time. I, I don't think that if we have what, what we've seen over the last eight years or so is not the same as what we're seeing right now, is my point. We're going to have a real hard time. And I know that Dairyman might have some money in the coffers at the moment, so that's why I, I slow to make any stern forecast. But I do believe they're going to lose a lot of money in the next few months predicated on what they're facing feed-wise and milk price-wise and utility-wise and all that good stuff. Gus, are you having any conversations with any of your producers right now about their plans to sell all their cows and get out of business? Well, the producers usually don't approach us first on those type of discussions, Ted. That's discussions with their bank. I think there's other producers who, who are clearly conveying that they're going to lose a lot of money and are scratching their head as to how to deal with it right now. I would say if those conversations happen, we're probably a couple months away from them. But I don't think you're going to see them increase first. I think you're going to see them start to cut cows and start to figure out other ways to get around this and then deal with it down the road. I think one thing that's important to notice is let's assume milk production trend-wise is flat for the foreseeable future, which is more or less the way Don is modeling it. You're going to see the numbers kind of go through the path that Don's predicting, not because of what milk production is doing now, but because of what it's measuring against last year. And so it's going to look like milk production's up when in reality it was just down that much last year. I see your point, Ted, and I yeah. agree with that. Like that's yeah. a plausible perspective and then, that we need to consider as well. The second thing I'd say is once some dairy farmers start having the conversation about, okay, I'm going out of business, it's still going to be three to six months before they actually go out of business because they're going to have to get in line to sell their cows. Well, I'm not I'm not suggesting that I mean we, we probably will see a number of, of the weaker producers go out of business, but that's not really what I'm I'm getting at. I'm getting at just beef prices are still strong enough right now where if you're struggling and you need some immediate revenue, you're gonna call. And mm -hmm. I think we've already seen that trend start. Again, I just think it's a very plausible scenario over the next few months. Not necessarily are you gonna see waves of bankruptcy, although I think you'll see some. You'll see even large producers say, you know what, it looks like we're going to lose this much more. Let's let's get a more a little bit more revenue and call a bit more aggressively this this month or what have you. Mm -hmm. I think that's just going to come into play in the near term. I agree with that. I think it is too. But I think there's going to be a lot of talking about how bad things are before you we actually start seeing the numbers show milk production actually starting to go down because of it. It's mm -hmm. just gotten to that point where a lot of dairymen are showing a lot of frustration for a lot of things. You know, the flip side of it is, as we talk about these numbers, the thing that really strikes me is right now, I think we're still underestimating how bad demand is. Because when you talk about how long things are and the numbers we're seeing show up like this and we're revising them down, and yet we're still talking about how long milk is, that just tells me that demand is right now not good. And, and I think that's the real issue we've got at the moment. Well, I, I was going to throw out to this that 
I think Gus is on to something in that you really get heavy slaughter of cows, fewer cows in the herd, and you get into the second half of the year or even 12 months from now, and at a certain point, you're going to get a rebound in Asian demand, which is principally protein, but okay, cheese as well. And you're going to have an increasing demand corresponding with the shrinking production base. Then you're going to get a, a real price response. And let's just say it's January 1, right, of 2024, something like that. You can, you can see this starting to set itself up for that. I agree. Done. I think what we're looking at is, and probably underestimating, is a little bit more aggressive downtrend in the near term. But certainly, we we have the wherewithal. I don't want to act like our heifer supplies are abundant, but they're better than they have been, and we could rebound relatively quickly in the second half of the year. We welcome your participation in the milk check. If you have comments to share or questions you want answered, send an email to podcast at jacoby.com. Our theme music is composed and performed by Phil Kagey. The Milk Check is a production of T.C. Jacoby & Company.